with another look at Thanksgiving. Welcome to today's broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. A heart of gratitude, next. So what does a heart of gratitude look like? We have a wonderful picture painted for us here in Psalm 103. Again, greetings and welcome to Graceful Truth, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Our teacher and pastor, Pastor Steve Converse, takes us back to Psalm 103 to look again at the heart of gratitude and what it looks like from the eye of the psalmist here in 103. He heals all of our diseases. He redeems our life from the pit. He's compassionate and gracious, and he satisfies our years with good things. How can we not have a heart of gratitude towards a Father who provides us with all of this. With an encouraging look at this heart of gratitude, here's Pastor Steve Converse with today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. When we sin, you know what? His grace is extended to us because His Word says He has not dealt with us according to our sin. He's not rewarded us according to our iniquities. Look at verse 12. It says, as far as the east is from the west, now, if you can get your little measuring rod out and measure that, then you're the first one to do that. That's an infinite measurement. There's no end to that. The east is from the west. How could you ever measure that? It says in verse 12, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. See, when we come to Christ, God takes the sin that we have on us and he puts it on Christ. That's why Christ had to die on a cross. Even though that he had never committed one sin, he was perfect in every way. He was willing to come to earth, first of all, to take on the appearance of a man and the body of a man. I mean, just for God to do that is amazing. But he did that and then he, he was, the Philippians tell us that he was, humbled himself and was obedient even to the point of death on a cross. Now, a cross is an offense to, to a Jew. And to die on a cross was a horrible thing. It was a curse almost. But Christ willingly took that upon himself so that we wouldn't have to try to pay for our sins. We could never pay for our sins anyway. You know, some people think, well, they're just going to go to hell and have a party. No, you're not. Hell is a very real place. And hell is the total absence of anything good, the total absence of God. And it's, you do not want to go there. The Bible speaks a lot about hell. Unfortunately, a lot of churches don't talk about hell anymore because it's not politically correct or because it's offensive to people. But hell is a real place and it really exists. And people are dying and going there every day. And God, that grieves God's heart. And I think the first order of business, when we look at hey, God is the one who pardons all our iniquities, it has to be a personal thing. If we're going to be grateful to God, if we're going to have an attitude of gratefulness before God, God has to touch our lives personally. Because if you haven't had your sins forgiven, if you don't know what it means to put your trust and faith in Christ, then you know what? You're not saved. You have not trusted God for your salvation. You don't understand that the Bible says clearly all have sinned. Not some, not most. It says all, everybody. The Bible says the, the soul that sins dies. There's no back door to get to heaven. There's no second chance. There's nothing. We need to put our faith and our trust in what God has provided for us in Christ. Think back over the last couple of weeks how many times you've sinned. And if you put your faith and your trust in Christ, God says, I'm going to be gracious to you. I'm going to extend my hand of grace upon your life. And he says there, I'm going to pardon all your iniquities. He doesn't treat us according to the wrong things we do. And see, the standard is, is God's holiness, not the person who's sitting next to you. 
Sometimes we get confused. We look around us and we say, well, you know what? Yeah, all have sinned, I understand that, but you know, I'm pretty good. If you sit there this morning, stop and ask yourself, do you think you're a good person? Most people would probably say, well, yeah. I'm, I'm a pretty good person. Love my wife, love my kids, work hard, try to do what's right. And that makes you a good person according to our society. But that doesn't make you a good person in God's eye. Because the Bible clearly says that all have sinned. And if you, you see, that's why God gave us the law of God. He gave us the law of God, I mean, even the Ten Commandments, to show us our inability, our inability before a holy God to have any relationship with him at all. Just stop and say, have you ever told a lie? Yes. We'd all have to say yes. What's that make you? It makes you a liar. You ever taken anything that's not yours? Doesn't matter what it costs. Could be time from work, could be whatever, anything. What's that make you? It makes you a thief. Have you ever thought a bad thought in your mind, a lustful thought? Jesus said, if you've done that, you know what? You've basically committed adultery. If you've thought it in your heart, you've committed it. See, that's God's standard. It's not society's standard. Those are, those are sins of the heart that maybe nobody around you will ever see. But I'm here to tell you this morning that God sees them. And a payment has to be made for those sins. And the payment is death. The Bible says the, the soul that sins dies. There's no back door to get to heaven. There's no second chance. There's nothing. We need to put our faith and our trust in what God has provided for us in Christ. And when we do that, what's he do? He invades our lives. He, he gives us new life in Christ. He changes us. See, and that's the, the indication of a believer. You know, you say, well, you know, who's a believer and who's not? How would you know? Well, you know and God knows. And I think the way that, that, that God tells whether you're a believer or not is he looks at your life. Do you obey him? Are you eager to read his word? Are you eager to fellowship in a local body? Are you eager to, to, to witness and, and share what God has done in your life? And if you're sitting there this morning and you're saying, you know what, God hasn't done anything in my life, then you're probably not a believer. You may be a believer, but you're not a possessor of Christ. You're not a possessor of new life in Christ. And there's a big difference. I was a believer in Christ all my life. And it wasn't until I was 19 years of age that a pastor shared with me, you know what, Steve, everybody sinned. And I sat there justifying myself in front of this guy for probably two hours. And the way I was doing it was, well, you know, I'm not as bad as my brothers. And I'd just go on and on. He said, that's not the standard. The standard is God, and God is holy. That means he's never done anything wrong. Now, if you're saying that you're perfect, well, no, I'm not perfect. I mean, you'd have to be pretty egotistical to say that you're perfect. You've never sinned. And that's why God says all have sinned. And we all need that, that touch from his hand. Horatio Spafford, who wrote the, the song, It Is Well With My Soul, put this as one of the verses. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but in whole, is nailed to the cross. I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. I pray that you can say that this morning. That when you look at your life of sin that we all have, that you can say, praise God, I don't have to pay the price for this. That God has paid it for us. And we, we don't ever want to forget what it's like to live under the, the penalty and the guilt of sin because it's a burden that we all carried at one point. He forgives us of all our iniquities. Secondly there, quickly, he says that he basically heals all your diseases. In verse 3. 
How many of you have been sick this last year? All right. Some of you are saying, I'm sick right now, you know. The person next to you move over a couple seats. But, you know, we've all dealt with sickness. Chances are some, some of you have been very sick. And you notice here, it's impressive to me that the psalmist does not say, he diagnoses all your diseases. Because <laughs> that's what doctors do, right? I mean, you go to a doctor, what do they do? Where does it hurt? Here, here, take this pill. You'll be better. Okay. That's all they do. They don't heal people. I mean, we think, I mean, I think we give doctors a lot more credit than they deserve. A doctor has never healed anybody. They've maybe kind of tried to, to, to fix whatever's wrong there. They put a finger on what the disease is. They say, hey, this is the cause, but they can't heal. It's God that heals. Only God can heal. But you know what? Even here, he's not really even talking about the diseases in your body. If you look at this, he says, who heals all your diseases? There is your language there, the antecedent of your. He's talking about his soul. He says, oh, bless my soul. Bless the name of the Lord. And he's saying, God has healed all the diseases of my soul. And you say, well, what's that? He's talking about hatred. He's talking about strife. He's talking about malice, stubbornness, bitterness. All that stuff that we all have in our hearts at one point. That's why God says he has to give us a new heart. Even those feelings of revenge that we harbor. They did this, I'll get them back. They'll just wait and see, you know. The psalmist says that he's healed me of all that stuff. And you stop and you think of how many times God has healed your heart. How many times God has even healed your physical body. Wonderful. The third thing there, he says he redeems your life from the pit or from destruction. That literally what it means, it means to be ruin or destruction or corruption. Some translations read the pit. You notice in some of the songs today, it talks about being, having our, our feet set on the, from the miry clay up on the solid rock. I think it's talking about the moment of salvation. See, the moment we're saved, the moment we put our faith and trust in Christ, what happens? God transforms our heart. He, he blots out all of our sin. He forgives us totally. And he takes us, the Bible says, out of a kingdom of darkness that operates according to Satan's principles into a kingdom of light that operates according to God's principles. That's a wonderful thing. And it all happens the moment we put our faith and our trust in Christ. I was praying with somebody one time and they said this in their prayer. They said, Lord, help us never to forget what were we like before we got saved? And I thought, you know, that's a good prayer. Because so many times, even people within the church, what do we do? We, you know, we kind of grow complacent in our faith and the newness wears off and pretty soon it's just, you know, you're doing church as usual week after week and, you know, midweek Bible study, whatever. And you got your little schedule and you do your devotions and all that stuff. And we tend to forget what has God done in our life? Where is, what has God saved us from? What was our life before Christ like? Sometimes it's good to dwell on that. And you say, well, there's too many bad memories. That's okay. Because you know that Christ is, has taken care of all that. It doesn't hurt once in a while to, to think about those things. I think that's what's so exciting to having new Christians in a fellowship. It brings a freshness to us. Why? Because they're excited about their faith. Why? Because they just got saved and they realize, you know what? God forgave me of all this junk. They don't have to deal with it anymore. And they look around at people in the church and they're going, now why aren't they excited? Well, maybe they've been saved for 20 years or 50 years or whatever. Yeah, whatever it's been. 
The psalmist says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me. He heard my cry. He lifted me out of the miry clay from the pit. Miry clay kind of has a thing that you've ever been little and played in mud. You get your foot stuck, and you, you, know, you just can't pull that, uh, that, that foot out of there. It's a suction. So that's the idea. It just kind of sucks you in. I remember one time in high school, the band went out at halftime, the band thing on the, uh, the, the football game, and it was raining. It was a horrible Friday night. And they get out there in their little boots, and all their boots came off. They got stuck in the mud, and they just kept on marching. It was the weirdest thing. I mean, the refs are going out after them, picking the boots up before we could start the second half. It's really odd. But see, it says here that he took us out of that, and he set our feet upon the rock, upon Christ, and he established my going, and he put a new song in my mouth. See, there's, there's a change there. There's something that changes dynamically when you come into a personal relationship of Christ. Sometimes it's good to remember how vulgar and how obscene we were before we came to Christ. Remember the things that we used to laugh at or the jokes we used to think were funny that maybe were offensive to God. That's, that's existence in the pit, as the Bible calls us. That's existence in the world. And the psalmist says here, I've been redeemed. Praise God, I'm so glad. And he says that he crowns us with loving kindness and compassion. The fourth thing here we want to look at quickly is verse 8. It says in verse 8, basically, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. Verse 13 says, As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. I mean, those of you who have young children, think about that. You know, I mean, you have compassion on your children. You know, that's, that's what it's all about, being a parent. Now, yeah, you have to be an enforcer of the rules and all that, but even in that, I mean, that, you know, it, it's not like when, when your children are disobedient, oh, good, I get to spank them, I can't wait, you know. Uh, no, you do it with kind of a sadness in your heart, even though you know that it's for their betterment. It doesn't make it a happy thing to go through. God says that he knows our frame. And the psalmist says there that basically he's, he knows that we're but dust. You know, all of us, all of our plans, all that we got planned out, even for the holidays and all this stuff. You know what? I mean, God could come back today and none of that would matter. Jesus Christ could come back to earth today and the big turkey that you're planning and the big feast with everybody coming wouldn't mean anything. You wouldn't be here to celebrate it if you know Christ. And if you don't know Christ, I don't know. You know, you're going to be in a world of hurt. Not going to be a nice place. But our lives, we forget sometimes, are but dust. And God graces us with his compassion and with his mercy. He's really saved us. He's brought us into his family. And it's kind of a, one of these deals where he's saved us without any probationary period. You ever gotten a new job and they say, okay, you know, great, good to have you on board. But you have to work here four months. We have a four-month probation period before your health insurance kicks in or before you get this or before you get this benefit or before you get that. That's the way it always is. You never just get, usually you don't just get hired and they give you the whole kit and caboodle right up front. No, there's a period of time because they want to test you. They want to say, okay, is this person really going to be part of this organization? Well, you know what? When God saves us, there's no probation, Mary, period. There's no period where God sits back and says, okay, I'm going to save you. But now, basically, you know, after two weeks, ah, you know, it's been nice, but see you later. <laughs> Doesn't work that way with God. 
That's why when, it, when the Bible describes being saved, he says born again. You have to be born again. You have to be born into the kingdom of God. Can you imagine? You mothers, you have a newborn baby. Have the baby in the hospital, everything's fine. You take the child home, and your husband turns to you and says, okay, dear, this is great. We're going to try this out for two weeks. If it doesn't work, then, you know, we'll get rid of the kid. I mean, what kind of parent would that be? You wouldn't even think of doing that. You know, there's no probationary period with children. I mean, you own those kids. You know, 18 years plus. It just, you know, they're, just, they're there. It's part of your life. Some of you think when they go away to college that, oh, that's, that's when the answer, no, uh, doesn't stop. <laughs> and it's such a blessing, you know, to, to, be, to be part of that. You know, to, to have that relationship with somebody that, that's not based on some kind of performance. I mean, they're your children. You're their parents. I mean, you would love that kid no matter what. That's what God, that's how God relates to us because we're a member of his family. And when it comes to Thanksgiving Day, if you forget everything else, don't ever forget that God loves you and he showers upon you kindness and compassion. Last thing, and I think it's just kind of the topping on the whole, the whole deal here. He says in verse five that he satisfies uh, your years with, with good things. Doesn't say that. Verse five, look at what it says. He satisfies abundantly your ornament with good. Well, what does that mean? He satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth will be renewed like the eagles. The year there is a reference to your soul. That's what he's talking about. Oh, bless the Lord, oh my soul. That's the theme of the whole psalm. And so in verse five, he says, he satisfies your, that the soul's ultimate with good. You stop and you think of the word ornament. What is that? It, 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 it adorns something. Our house is about getting ready to get filled with lots of ornaments. <laughs> Hanging everywhere. Every possible place. <laughs> and then when all the ornaments come down, guess what Steve's doing with the putty knife? Oh, puttying all the walls again. Once again, we got to go through the whole ritual. But it's nice. I enjoy it. <laughs> I noticed my wife strategically didn't do it before the grandkids came this year. She's going to wait till afterwards. So. But I, I think that it's, it's, it's just one of those things. That an ornament is something that embellishes something. It's something that adds beauty to something that's needed. And some of you wear ornaments on your attire, or your ears, whatever. And, and what God is saying is he satisfies our spirit. He ornaments your soul with good things. See, we serve a, a good God. We really do. It's not like some of the gods that these other pagan people serve. You know, they have a God that's, that's not good. They have a God that tells them to go out and kill anybody that's not on their side. I mean, that's crazy. Our God would never do that. Our God is a gracious God. And he relates it to eagles. If you've ever studied the eagle, you know that the eagle is one of the animals that, that really, it grows stronger with age. The older it gets, the stronger it gets. And often in the Old Testament, the eagle is always a, a reference to us in our life in different ways. It's used a, a different kind of a being renewed as eagles. In other words, our strength is being renewed. He's saying basically here in the psalm is that the Lord God, who's praised in this passage over and over and over again, is there to, to help us through all this. We're not to do this on our own. One commentator put it this way. In these verses that we just read, First of all, we have a law court. We have a court of law, because he says he pardons all our iniquities. Secondly, we have a hospital. 
because he heals all our diseases. Thirdly, the commentator goes on, he says, we have a slave market. In other words, he redeems us from the slave market, from sin. Thirdly, or fourthly, we have a throne room because he says he crowns us with loving kindness and compassion. And the last thing, we have a banquet hall because he satisfies your spirit with good things. I hope that as you celebrate this Thanksgiving time together with family and friends, you'll begin to just kind of reflect on your own life. Who's been a part of your life? Who's contributed to your life? Maybe brother, sister, mother, dad, whatever, neighbor. Reach out to them this holiday season, you know, and really extend your hand to them and show them the, the loving uh, grace of God in your life. And I'm sure that uh, he'll bless you as a result. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we just uh, thank you this morning as we reviewed these benefits of God and, and, and Lord, they're not uh, for his benefit, but they're for us. Lord, I'm, I'm sure that this morning there may be someone here that has never known life out of the pit, <laughs> has never been redeemed from just the, the life of this world. Uh, they don't know anything about being crowned with loving kindness or compassion because, frankly, God, you're distant from them. You're, you're foreign to them. And maybe they've built a, some would say, a straw man of God. Um, he's not their friend. He's viewed as their enemy. Beloved, that's a twisted concept of God. The Lord of heaven sent to this earth the Savior not a savior, not an option, not someone that you should think about. But this is someone who demands a decision. In other words, you can't remain neutral on this. You can't remain neutral concerning Jesus Christ. And I just, I, I have great joy in my heart to announce to you that our God is a great giving God. We need to praise his holy name, that he's given us his son that he opened up heaven and let him come down to earth and he died in your place to pardon, to take away your sin. Father, help us never to forget that. Lord, if there's any here who have yet to place their faith and their trust in Christ, Lord, it, it's as simple as crying out to you, acknowledging, yeah, I am a sinner and I, I do need a change. I do need my sins forgiven. And God, save me. I want to I turn away from the way I've been living life. And I want to turn to you and do it your way for a change. God will extend that grace to you. Just cry out to God and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. It's that simple. There's no formula prayer you have to pray. It's a matter and condition of your heart. And if you're expressing that need this morning, God will hear that prayer. Trust me. And he'll transform you. He'll make you a brand new person. For us Christians, I just pray that we'd never forget where we come from, what we were saved out of. Lord, help us never to forget that we live in a lost and dying world where people are dying and going to hell every day. And Lord, that you've entrusted to us the gospel of Christ that we could share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. Well, thank you for spending time with us here today on Graceful Truth, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. 
It's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. And we trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. And if you would like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We meet at 2225 Euclid Avenue here in Redwood City. And directions are on our website, gracefultruth.org, or again, simply call 650 650- 366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. And again, we'd love to have you join us for worship. Simply call for directions or go to our website, gracefultruth.org. While you're at our website, make sure to check out the resource materials available from us here at Graceful Truth, including past programs of Graceful Truth that you can download for free. Gracefultruth.org is where to go. If you're writing to us, our address is 2225 Euclid Avenue. That's 2225 Euclid Avenue. We're here in Redwood City. The zip code is 94061. And again, our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We thank you for spending time with us today and trust we'll see you next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse.